and welcome to episode 43 of Owen the Saints. I'm your host, Patrick Serlis. With me this evening, I've got a very happy Jack Serlis. Jack, how you doing? Doesn't get much better than that, does it, mate? How are you? <laughs> very good, thanks. I'm going to say very happy and, and very tired because I think you've just done 5K at 11pm. Can you explain why? <laughs> Yeah, well, I went to university in Liverpool, so I've got a few friends that support the red half of Merseyside, and I sent them a little text before the game saying, I'll do a 5k straight after if we get the win. We got the win. They're not happy, but they told me to get my le- get my shoes on, get my trainers on. So I did it. Um, so yeah, pretty shattered, but I'm, you know, getting through it because we just got three points against the champions. Yeah, I mean, that's that's rocket fuel, I think, to send you around. You've got a decent time as well. Do you want to tell tell the listeners your time around Chichester? Right. <laughs> yeah, decent time. I was just thinking of Ibrahim Diallo, the engine room, as I was sprinting around <laughs> Chichester. Uh, I can't remember my time. It was all right. It was okay. It was sub-25 minutes, really, I think, is it, which is not too bad. Um, take it. But yeah, I mean, I don't know about you, but I've... I've still not fully calmed down. What a performance from Southampton. Beat the defending champions, Liverpool, 1-0 at St Mary's on Monday evening. That means we're up to sixth, four points off the top in January. I repeat, four points off the top of the Premier League table and it's January. This comes after a mini slump, three games without a goal and no winning four counts as that really after our great start to the season. But we ended that goal drought through, who else? Danny Ings after just one minute, 51 seconds. And from there, we just held on. That's our third clean sheet from our last four games, our fourth clean sheet in six. Sensational performances across the pitch, none more so than Ibrahim Adalo, who we will come on to. He was starting in place of the injured Oriol Romeu. Jack, let's start with the team news. When it dropped, I was a little bit fearful. Three changes, obviously Romeu out injured, picked up a calf injury in training the day before the game. We had Che Adams, who also missed out through concussion after picking up that awful head whack um, against the Hammers. And then we also had Alex McCarthy out, um, testing positive for COVID, so Fraser Forster coming in. What was your immediate reaction when you saw the team? Yeah, a little bit fearful. Um, not having Shea, I think, was was a big one because he's been brilliant this season and he is so key to the way we play. Not having Romeo in midfield is, you know, the engine... And we've only seen Diallo and a few cameos and he obviously started against Fulham and he was decent. But I thought coming up against Thiago Alcantara in midfield is a is a huge test for a 20-year-old to have. But he did pass the flying colours. And then and then Fraser, again, you know, we haven't seen much of him over the last three years. But um, you know, what I remember of him and what a lot of Saints fans remember of him, not great towards the end. So a little bit fearful that... Um, he was either going to drop a 1 out of 10 performance or drop a 10 out of 10 performance. Luckily, he didn't have too much to do. But yeah, the team sheet was a bit of a worry, wasn't it? It was. I mean, my big reaction to it was was to the bench when I saw it because it's basically a crash. I think eight academy yeah. youngsters and granddad Shane Long. Um, slightly concerning. Just going to read you some of the names on the bench. Harry Lewis, Jake Vokins, Jan Valerie, We had Ramsey, uh, Smallbone, Teller, and Lundaloo, Shane Long and... I can't, I'm not sure how to pronounce, is it Chalk? Chalk, is it just Chalk? Okay, we'll go with Chalk. Um, That's a name that I haven't seen before in the first team. So a very, very young bench and a few changes in there, key players missing. Now, obviously, Liverpool had a few players missing as well, but that was a long way from our best team and to come away from from this game with a 1-0 win. um, What a performance. 
ridiculous performance. Like you said, getting that early goal, you're, you're a little bit fearful being a Southampton fan when you go ahead a little bit, when you go ahead you know, quite early that, you know, on Sky Sports, they always put the statistic up on the screen that shows how many points we've dropped from winning positions, which is way too much. But the lads dug in and you're not going to have all the ball against um, Liverpool you're you know one of the best teams in Europe you're going to have to you're going to have to sit back and soak up pressure and I thought the game plan Ralph spoke about it after the game plan the lads believed in it um and you have to have belief if you're going to you know set up like that we didn't we didn't set up to defend for 90 minutes we had a clear game plan in terms of when we get the ball quick passing and cause Liverpool problems like you said they had a lot of it was a makeshift defense that they had so it was an unbelievable performance and I think you'd have to give credit to Ralph Asenil for the way he set up a quite depleted team. So to start with the goal then, as I mentioned, less than two minutes on the clock, Ward Prowse, that's his fourth Premier League assist. I think he's only had more than that in one season when he got six, but it was a little clip free click, really, really clever free kick actually. Um, poor defending from Trent Alexander-Arnold, who I thought had a pretty poor game overall and was ultimately replaced by Milner. Um, poor defender from him, but what a finish from Danny Ings. Yeah, yeah. Again, it was another one that Ralph picked out post-match and so did Danny. Liverpool plays such a high line and you know it works against a lot of teams, but that is definitely, if you get it right, that's an area to exploit. Um, and yeah, it was a great ball from Ward Prowse, but not, you know, 99 times out of 100, Trent deals with that. And he takes that down and, and you know, passed that to a Liverpool player, but it was a huge mistake. And if you want, if you, if that ball is going to drop to any Southampton player in that area, it's got to be Danny Ings because he's got that instinctive finish in him. Didn't even have to look and he's lobbed the keeper. I don't think that's really sunk in how good a goal that is. I think we'll watch that back tomorrow and be like, how has he picked out the far corner there? Ridiculous Absolutely. goal. Absolutely. I mean, you're right. It was a big mistake from Trent. But even then, as a Liverpool fan, you think you can't. he's not going to score from there. On his left foot, the ball dropping out of the air to, uh, with, a, with a keeper like Allison in net. I mean, it was just, he couldn't have picked out, he couldn't have hit it any better, basically. Um, yeah. And I think I think the rest of the team, looked from their celebration, looked shocked. And that Danny's celebration was like quite muted. And I don't think that was necessarily because he was, he was playing against one of his former clubs. But I think it was just because he's like, yeah, I can do that. Yeah. <laughs> That's his... That's his 50th Premier League goal, by the way, um, and the earliest he's ever scored in the Premier League. So it got us off to a great start. And from there, we were looking pretty good, I think, through the opening 20 minutes, pretty comfortable. Unfortunately, Musa Gineppo picked up that looks like a hamstring injury, definitely a muscle injury. He was incredibly disappointed to be substituted. And, and it was disappointing because he's not had the greatest of seasons so far, Musa, but he was looking good tonight up in, in that first 30 minutes until he until he picked up that injury he was causing Trent problems he was direct all the things that we've wanted from him in terms of using his dribbling ability to create chances we started to see that and then from to pick up that muscle injury it's disappointing yeah I mean you said you said Trent didn't have the best game but in that first half an hour I think Musa was giving him a torrid time on that left hand side there was one instance that I remember the ball came into Musa on the left-hand side and he had his back to Trent and it was just a little touch with the outside of his right foot and he yep. spun Trent in an instant and, he's, and you're thinking that is England's right back right there who's just been spun so I thought he was looking really excited and it was it was gutting to see him come off and he looked devastated I think he was in tears um, yeah. but yeah it was 
I don't know about you, but I was very, very happy to see Nathan Teller come on and not Shane Long. Yes, we were just discussing before we clicked record about that moment in the match when you know Moose is coming off and you're like, oh my God, who's coming on? And, and you said it, I think, and I'll let you say it now, but like, if Shane had come on there, I don't think we're winning the game. <laughs> as harsh as that sounds. It is, it is harsh, but the way I look at it is that Shane Long changes the way we play. I don't think we can play the same way that we did in that you know, hour without Musa Ginepo if Shane Long's on the pitch. You, that kind of quick passing, one-touch passing. You don't get a lot of the ball against Liverpool. So when you do get it, you have to be very, very, you know, useful when, when you get the ball. So it was brilliant to see Teller come on. And I thought he had a great game and debatably should have got on the score sheet. I think he had a brilliant chance at the edge of the box. He did everything right, picking out the far post. He just mm. set it out a little bit too far, didn't he? Yeah, 10 minutes after coming on, just before half-time, he had that opportunity. He worked it well. I think it was a flick on from Danny. Um, and, he, and he took it past Fabinho, uh, Fabinho really well, but just unfortunately just set it out too far outside the post. Um, that would have been lovely, 2-0 before halftime. But instead we went in at the break, 1-0 up. Now you know there's going to be a reaction from Liverpool. They've got so much quality on the pitch. I think Thiago was making his first start since October or something. And as you mentioned, he was going up against Diallo, who started against Fulham as you said, did okay, but really we haven't seen much of him at all. And it was a big, big question mark going into the game. How would he perform up against Thiago, up against Oxlade-Chamberlain? And um, who else did they have in there? Because Henderson was in... Henderson and Fabinho were were at centre-back. So who else did they have in there with Chamberlain, um, Thiago and Wijnaldum? They're three top quality midfielders, Diallo coming in there, and I thought he was man of the match. Yeah, it wasn't... Against Fulham, we saw a lot of ball recoveries and he was a lot of interceptions and that side of the game where, you, you know, there's you can get excited by watching him, but we didn't see too much of him on the ball. That's how I was really, really impressed when he got the ball, the, the subtle movements of the body to create a yard and, you know, passes around the corner, passes to feet. Everything about his game was spot on tonight. For a 21-year-old to put in that performance against the champions, it's so, so ex- exciting. And I think the future's bright. And, to come in, Romeo is obviously such a massive player for us and we didn't miss him tonight. And that's yeah. a huge compliment to Diallo. I think, I think that's the biggest compliment you can pay him. I think along with Vestergaard, um, probably Romeo has been our player of the season so far. So to come in and, and put in a performance like that, and I've seen a few people tweet it, but the word for me was just composed. Yeah. He looked so composed on the ball. He he stepped into this, into this game against the champions and he just... Some players can get overawed, I think, in that situation, but he just it just looked like he felt he belonged there and he was just going to play his game, which was which on the ball, he just looked class. So that was that was fantastic to see and really, another, another really exciting. Word. Go on. Yeah, another word I'd say just on Diallo is energy. Yeah. Energy in that midfield. You're playing against three midfielders there and they picked out on Sky saying that might be a problem area for Southampton, playing two midfielders against Liverpool's three to really get on the ball. You've got Irim Diallo there who is pure energy and he's going to get round and press. Um, yeah, I thought it was fantastic. One of the ways I think we mitigate that is if you look at the formations, yes, it does look like two versus three, but the way that our two attacking midfielders play, they play very narrow. Um, so I think if you look at the formations and, and people that don't necessarily watch a lot of Southampton would see that and be like, oh, wow, like we're outgunned in the middle of the park. But Armstrong was in there. Um, 
And then once Teller came on, Walcott dropped into the into that attacking midfield position, uh, position and and they did a job. And they tuck in, our fullbacks get wide, they offer the width. And from being 2v3, it goes to 4v3 in our favour. And I think that did happen and that did help us. A word on Armstrong, because he did have that little break. And I think a few people had said that he looked like he needed a rest because we weren't seeing the performances of old from, from Stuart just in terms of his energy and his end product. But I thought he was better today. Yeah, that, that was the Stuart of old, wasn't it? And yeah. we definitely needed him, especially with with players like Diallo making his second start and Nathan Teller playing a lot of the game. You need Stuart on his game. And I thought it was brilliant driving with the ball, keeping it when necessary, switching it, linking up with the front two. Yeah, it was great to see. Yeah, fantastic. I mean, and the start of the second half was probably for the first five, ten minutes, I don't think we had a kick. And we knew Liverpool were going to come out and step it up. But we just it just seemed like we, we weathered that storm uh, initially and we started to get a little bit of a foothold. But, I mean, there's no getting away from it. We were hanging on in that second half. Yeah. First 10 minutes, we didn't touch the ball. Did we? First 10 minutes, we, did, we genuinely didn't touch the ball, yeah. Huge block from Jack Stevens on Sadio Mane. Um, there was another one which debatably they were talking about that on Sky was it a handball it did hit his arm but it's very close don't think you can give at the start of the season that's a penalty but I'm really happy to see the the Premier League move away from giving those as penalties now using a bit more common sense but again it was a chance Um, Carl Walker-Peters was I I don't know what your opinion on it but the one on Mane I thought it was slightly clumsy on that left hand side and there wasn't much contact but I don't know what he was doing diving in. That easily could have been a penalty. So we weathered the storm and, and we needed to weather the storm because it was always going to come, wasn't it, in that second half? On the penalty shot, so the Stevens one for me is not handball. It would have been given, as you said, earlier this season, but those decisions were absolute nonsense. And I can't remember if we were on the, the, the right side of a few of those decisions or the wrong side, but ultimately that that's not handball. That's not the rule. That's not. I don't want to see handballs given for that. And I would have been absolutely fuming if they'd gone to VAR and given handball there because his arm's by his side and he's yeah. a couple of yards away. It's just ridiculous. On the Mane one, Walker-Peters does does get himself in, into a dodgy position. He does make contact with him. The thing that I think makes Andre Mariner point to a goal kick rather than a penalty is the fact that kind of Mane stays on his feet almost and then realises like a second too late that he's been that he might have been fouled and goes down in pretty dramatic fashion. He kind yeah. of like flops to the ground and it's like, wow, you've dived. Um, even though there may have been a little bit of contact just before that, you've made it look really, really obvious. And I think that kind of counted against Mane. For me, as soon as I saw it, I was like, oh my God, that's an awful dive. You see it back on the replay. There is a little bit of contact. But again, I think Andre Mariner ultimately got the right decision there. Yeah, and a lot of Liverpool fans were fuming about that, weren't they? Perfect. That's even better. <laughs> That's the outcome. The thing I would say is I thought Andre, obviously, we have got a few Liverpool mates and they well, don't follow many Liverpool accounts, but by all accounts, they were very disappointed with the, well, very angry with the performance of Andre Mariner tonight. I thought he had a fine game. Obviously, I would. We just won the game 1-0. The, the one thing I would say is how, is how does Thiago stay on the pitch? Yeah. Yeah, he, every, every time he made a... He uh, committed a free kick. He got told to be careful. I think that was four or five times. I was thinking, how many how many more warnings are you going to give him? But we spoke about those those penalty shouts, and you know we did we did ride weather the storm a little bit and debatably get lucky there. But what I would say is 
limiting Liverpool, who, you know, I know they're not on the best run of form, but they did go to Crystal Palace and put seven past them. <laughs> Limit, limiting Liverpool to that amount of chances, I think is a massive credit to that back four. And one person that I will pick out, um, who I don't think gets a mention every week, and I usually have a bit of a cut and paste answer is for Ryan Bertram, where I say he was quite solid. Mm. I think we really needed his experience in there today because, mm. you know, we didn't, we didn't need him bombing down the left, but we needed him to, there was a few chances where the ball came over to the back post and he used his body just really well, just to put a bit of pressure on Salah, who one of the top scorers in the league this season. Do you remember Salah really no. doing anything on that right-hand side? Anonymous. So, anonymous. anonymous. So I think you need to give massive credit to Ryan Bertram for keeping him so quiet. Yeah, I think Roberto Firmino is pretty anonymous. A few touches in the first half where he looked okay. Salah, anonymous for, for 90 minutes, basically. The one player that looked lively for them, I didn't think it was his best game, obviously a long way from his best, but the one that was creating chances was Mane. And he yeah. came up against Walker-Peters. Walker-Peters dealt with him very, very well. Yeah, and this, I saw a lot of things on Twitter, a lot of Spurs fans are saying, is, has a... Um, as a swap deal, old Mr. Swap deal ever worked so well for both clubs. They've obviously got Hoiberg, who's who's been brilliant for them this season. But what we've got in Walker Peters, we speak about him a lot on this podcast, but he seems to be putting in eight out of ten minimum every week. You don't get less than that, do you? No. No. I mean, you just mentioned the defence there. I would I would say obviously Vestergaard's been one of our best players. Come straight back into the team whenever he's fit. We have now kept three clean sheets. Um without him at Fulham, home to West Ham and now against Liverpool. The defence has played very well and Jack Stevens does deserve credit for coming in there um, and not really missing a beat. I mean, I think we, we missed something from Vestergaard from an attacking sense, from set pieces and his passing, but Stevens has done done a pretty solid job and, and I've been one to criticise him in the past because he does make silly mistakes, but he hasn't really made many of those, or at least they've certainly not been costly. No, and that's when I see when I see that I just think that shows how well coached this team is that you can have players come in who are not at the level as the player that they're replacing, yeah. but they can do a job because they're, it, the the roles are so clear of what is expected of them. So even seeing Fraser Forster come in today, he had a bit of a different role, didn't he? He was he was um, mm-hmm. further off his line. It looked a little bit uncomfortable at times, but it's just it's clear what Ralph wants for his players and. You know, everyone knows their role perfectly. Let's talk about Forster then, because he kind of was in the wilderness for a long time. Obviously, spent time at Celtic, comes back, competing for his his place with McCarthy, who had a good finish to the season. Um, Fraser obviously coming in, knowing that he's going to be number two. Previous England goalkeeper. Obviously, I think he's got aspirations to get back there. Played very, very well on loan at Celtic. They were keen to have him back. Um, It's a... It's interesting, certainly, that he decided to come back and be back up to McCarthy. He clearly feels that he's still a top-class Premier League goalkeeper. He got his opportunity today. Now, really, we limited Liverpool um, to one shot on target, I think, for the 90 minutes, and that didn't come to the 75th minute when Mane kind of poked it through and it was a routine save for Forster. So he didn't have tons to do. But was there enough there from your point of view that you think he can challenge McCarthy? Um, I think it was a great game for him to come back in. In yeah. hindsight, like you said, didn't have a shot on target until the 75th minute. From what I did see, 
I can't, I'm going to be completely honest. I wasn't massively convinced that he's going to take the number one spot off McCarthy anytime soon. I think his his kicking was not great, and it was making me very nervous in that first half. Mm. Um, he was trying to pick out the centre back and trying to pick out the full back, and just wasn't, you know, wasn't landing. But again, it's his first start. Um, you know, for a long time, he hasn't played for Southampton in a long time. First Premier League clean sheet since October 2017. So you can put some of that down to a bit of rustiness. However, claiming corners and coming out for crosses wasn't convincing for me. Punching balls that I think a confident keeper claimed, but a few more games under his belt, maybe he does claim. So does, I think we'll yeah. see him against Shrewsbury. Hopefully yeah. see him against Shrewsbury again. And, you know, I think it can only get better, I think. It's great to see a bit of competition in between the sticks. Yeah, I'm not sure if he has any fingers. <laughs> He doesn't see that. He literally cannot catch the ball. It's just every single time he just goes and punches it. Um, But what I would say, it's unfortunate for him really, is the fact that McCarthy's strength, what he's so good at is shot stopping. And the one area you you look at McCarthy and you're like, he's a very, very good goalkeeper, but the ball at his feet, that's not, that's, that's a, if not a weakness, it's certainly not a strength. And if we had a backup goalkeeper that, had that as a strength, I think McCarthy would be under much more pressure because Ralph wants his keeper to be comfortable in possession and he wants his keeper to be able to to pass it out for the back and play triangles. And McCarthy, while he's learning and he's getting better at that, that's not his game. He's, get, he's, he's an excellent keeper, kind of a more old school keeper. Whereas, unfortunately for Forster, he's coming in for McCarthy and he's an even more extreme example of someone that's a big keeper that's pretty good shot stopper but is pretty poor with the ball at his feet. And as you said, he's got no confidence in his first touch. At least that's what it seems like to me, because every time the ball comes back to him, it's a first time clearance. And when you're going to do that, every now and then you're going to shank it because the ball will, bub- the ball will bubble or you'll mistime it. If you're always clearing it first time, you're causing problems for yourself um, and you're not going to be as accurate as if you take a first touch and, and you pick your pass. So I think he panics a little bit because he's not really comfortable in that role. No, no. And, you know, Angus Gunn's the one that yeah. did have that ball-playing ability, but unfortunately lacked on the more important aspect of the game than the, as well, at least at Southampton. But yeah. I think I think with with Fraser, to get a clean sheet um, on your first game back and have a solid performance, you can just build on that. There's, gonna, there's bound to be rustiness with the ball at his feet, but yeah. onwards and upwards for him. Yeah, I mean, confidence, apparently, we've heard the confidence has been an issue for him in the past, so hopefully that gives him... Um, a great deal of confidence, keeping a clean sheet against the defending champions um, is no mean feat. Now, going into the last 15 minutes or so, 1-0 up, Danny Ings comes off. Again, no Shane Long. It's Lundalu that gets the shout. And all of a sudden, we've got Nathan Teller and Lundalu up front against the defending champions. Um, and the two of them, they did okay, didn't they? I mean, it, it really was a little bit of a backs against the wall for, to kind of in the middle of the second half, but it felt like in the last 10 to 15 minutes that we, they tired, um, they started creating less opportunities and we started stringing a few passes together and Anundalu caused him a few problems. I mean, he was a nuisance more than more than anything else. Pat, we finished the game with Dan Anundalu, Nathan Teller up front with Jan Valerie on the right wing. <laughs> yeah. Against Valerie the league champions. Right that is just incredible. Incredible. Yeah, it's ridiculous. And, and, and he did okay, to be fair. 
He did. He did. I think every substitution that Ralph made worked today. It worked. Mm -hmm. And again, I'd go back to the system and say playing Teller and Lundalu fits the system best rather than bringing on Shane Long. Obviously, Oberfemi, maybe we'll we'll speak about him in a bit. It looks like he's off to Swansea, Mm -hmm. which just shows that Ralph has more confidence in these players filling in this system. And I think what we saw tonight proved that because they came in and they know what their jobs are. And Again, the game plan was soak up the pressure and try and catch from the break. And, you know, we we had big chances to go 2-0 up, didn't we? We did. Valerie, with that chance, um, God knows what Alisson was doing. Came absolutely charging off his line. It's gone. And, and, and if Valerie gets more on it, as 2-0. Yeah, it was a bit like the um, Stuart Armstrong one against Villa last year. I don't know if you yes. remember that when the ball yes. went on the right-hand side and just had to get a little bit more on it. Unfortunately, he didn't. But yeah, it was a real head gone moment from Alisson. I had no yeah. idea what he was doing. I mean, it, it's just a quick word on Valerie because it is, that's his first first team appearance of the season. We had Will Smallbone there on the bench as well. So there was a more orthodox option. Um, but I guess Ralph was just looking for a little bit more defensive protection Still, considering where Valerie's been in terms of being out in the cold, it's it's Ralph giving him a little, I think, pat on the back and being like, "You can you can work your way back into this team if you if you apply yourself." Yeah, it's encouraging. It's encouraging. Yeah. You you want to see good, you know, team spirit, and you don't want to see players look like they don't want to get involved because they haven't played too much this season. It looked like he came in, and he was up for it, he's enthusiastic about playing wherever. Brilliant mm-hmm. to see because I think. We saw flashes of Jan Valery being a very good right back and we're obviously in the market for another fullback with Brandon Williams being heavily linked. If if we can have some good defensive cover from Jan Valery there, it's a, only a boost for the second half of the season. Definitely. I mean, considering it seemed like he was he was gone really, I mean, in terms of his Southampton career. So to see him pop back up was surprising. To see him pop back up at right midfield was even more surprising. And to see him pop back up a right midfield against Liverpool was even more surprising. So um, <laughs> they did. They everybody did a job. We saw it out. Fantastic win. As I mentioned, that takes us up to sixth, four points behind Liverpool, who remain top. Up next, we've got Shrewsbury um, on Saturday, and then a week later, we are back in Premier League action, away to Leicester City, then away to Leeds, and then at home to Arsenal. So some some tricky fixtures coming up. But that three points is huge for us. And it is the transfer window now. You mentioned Michael Obafemi. Jan Valery was another one that had, had been linked with a departure. But on Obafemi, um, Swansea are going well in the Championship. Could be a good move for him on loan. Could be. It could be. Just before I go on to Obafemi, very quickly, just on the game, I just remembered one moment I think needs needs a little bit of a shout out. Okay. Last, last 15 or 10 minutes, there was... Um, I think Jack Stevens got done on the left-hand side by, by Firmino very, very easily. Um, the ball gets squared to Sadio Mane. That's a goal. That is a goal. And who pops up? My man of the match, I think your man of the match, it was Ibrahim Diallo popping up and getting his foot in there and blocking a brilliant chance. I think that summed up his performance. So full of energy. And I was just thinking, who's got his leg there blocking that? And it turned out to be him. And I thought that just, yeah, epitomised what a brilliant display we saw. Yeah. But yeah, but... We- um, just, just on that, we did two episodes over the summer speaking to kind of experts that had watched our signings, Diallo and Mohamed Salasu. And the French guy that we spoke to, um, or the French football expert, sorry, that we spoke to about Ibrahim Diallo was so 
complimentary and so excited to see he, how he was going to get on at Southampton mm. and, and felt like it was just such a perfect fit for him. And obviously it's been a slow start to his Saints career, but I think there we've just like got a little glimpse of his potential. And fingers crossed, God knows where Salasu has gone. Um, but equally, the Real Valladolid expert that we spoke to, Marty, um, was extremely excited about Salasu coming to St. Mary's. So that's something else that maybe we'll see him against Shrewsbury. I think Ralph had mentioned a few weeks ago that he was targeting the Shrewsbury game as one for Salasu. It wasn't even in the squad today. Yeah, that was a strange one. Hopefully we see him against Shrewsbury because I, I want to see what he's about. But, but you know, as you mentioned on the on the transfers, we'll go back to Oberfemi. It looks like he's going to Swansea on loan, which I think that is brilliant for, for both clubs because, like you said, they're flying high. They're second in the league. Um, we want to see a little bit more from him. He's not going to play too much at Southampton. We want to see what he's about. We don't want to sell him because we do have. We could have a great player in our hands. He's got some big goals for Southampton over the last few seasons. So I think that's one that works perfectly. Um, yeah, looking forward to see how he gets on. Definitely. Right. Well, we will catch up next, Jack, after the FA Cup third round tie against Shrewsbury. It'd be interesting to see how much Ralph rotates and... And I think we'll see some of those academy players that are on the bench today will probably get an opportunity on Saturday. And then as mentioned after that, we're in action against Leicester. So just to sum it up, Jack, final final thoughts. I mean, it's not every week that you beat you beat Liverpool. So I'll give give you the final thoughts. No, I just want to have a quick word on the league table because as you said at the start, we're 17 games in, Pat. We're on 29 points. The league leaders are on 33. We're four points off the top. Yeah, <laughs> it same is, game's played with Liverpool, by the way. It is a ridiculous season and it's so close. You've got West Ham on 26 and 10th and you've got Tottenham in fourth on 29. So mm-hmm. three points between 10th and 4th. And we're sat there on 29 points, the same as Tottenham playing a game more. And like you said, we... We've been on a slight blip, but what I would say is that if you don't, if you're not playing well, don't lose the game. And against West Ham and Fulham, we didn't have our best games, but we picked up two points there. And mm-hmm. to go play the champions to get three points, it makes those two performances before look like brilliant results. So I can't believe it. We're sixth in the league, and yeah, long may it continue. Ralph's tears. What a moment. Oh, we didn't mention Ralph Tears at the end. Yes, what a moment. He said it was windy <laughs> after the game. <laughs> it was windy in my uh, in my living room as well. Oh my god. Yeah, that was that, he hasn't he hasn't beaten Jurgen before in his career. So I think that was a huge moment for him personally because yeah. he's such a competitive bloke, isn't he? And to get one over someone that mm-hmm. he does have comparisons with is is a massive moment. Yeah, I mean, similar to to similar to the win really over City in Project Restart when he got one over on Pep and you can see how much it means to him. Um, he is, like, we don't want to lose him, obviously, but he is destined for the top. And there have been some links that I'm not going to give any oxygen to because obviously we want to keep him at St. Mary's, <laughs> but he's a top, top, top manager, uh, in the words of Harry Redknapp. <laughs> um, and yeah, he, it was just so much emotion at the end. Yeah, love to see it, mate. Well, we'll have a chat after the Shrewsbury game and hopefully there's more wins to talk about. Yeah, exactly. Um, fingers crossed we're on to the fourth round. Um, I think I'm just interested to see who he puts in and hopefully we get a, a first glimpse of Salasu. So, Jack, thank you very much for joining me. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Hope you enjoyed that game. I will be going back to watch the highlights uh, probably two or three more times tonight and we'll catch up next week.
Nice one, mate. Off for another 5K now. Chat to you in a bit. <laughs> Thank you.